to Travel Agent Chatter, Volume 2-0. We've made it into the 20s. Yay. Travel Agent Chatter is an audio series produced by the team here at Host Agency Reviews every quarter. I am Steph Lee, the founder of Host Agency Review, and I am your host for today's show. Today's episode is bursting with ideas from an agency that is drilled down into multiple niches. Some of the topics we'll be covering is how to use radio to grow your business, how to automate your custom FITs, and how to approach having multiple brands at your agency. Our guest today has over 25 years of experience under her belt, escorting groups between 20 and 100 passengers around the world. Her specialty is private and special interest groups, as well as promotion and come-along trips with radio stations. So there's a lot of fun stuff to unpack, so let's get on to the show. Hello, hello, everyone. I have missed you. It has been a few months since our last in-depth Travel Agent Chatter episode, but hopefully you've been able to tune into some of our Friday 15s that have been happening in the interim. So that's right, folks. If you're just kind of tuning in, we got a little bit crazy in our Travel Agent podcast feed, and now we have two different types of shows that we're pushing out via it. So this right you're, that you're listening to right now is our Travel Agent Chatter feed, which is where we talk in depth with travel advisors from all corners of the industry. And we kind of figure out what makes their agency unique and successful. So today's guest is Javon Harley, the owner of Advantage International. She's also the owner of Traveling While Black, and she is the host and producer of the radio show Traveling Culturati. She's she's a woman of many talents. So it's going to be a really fabulous conversation because she has a lot of insights and she does things that are, there's some really unique aspects to her industry. So first of all, she's one of the few agencies that I know that has used radio effectively to grow her client base. She's really just a content machine. She has 154 pages of blog posts, if you can believe it. Now she's been in the industry a long time, but it's still pretty impressive. And I, I just also have to share with you that when I asked her about her 154 pages of blog posts, she was like, oh, is that good? Like, I was thinking I was behind on things. I was like, that's amazing. So I think it's safe to say with $2 million in sales and the fact that she has a very popular frequent traveler program for all of her super fans, that she is doing something very right with her a- with her agency. So Before we meet Javon and bring her on, just a quick reminder that whatever format you're consuming Travel Agent Chatter in, whether it be via podcast, a video on our YouTube channel, or if you're reading the transcript on the site and want to see the sprinkled pictures of Javon throughout it traveling around the world, we have got you covered. So any links and resources that we go over on today's show, those will be in our show notes. You can find those by visiting hostagencyreviews.com slash TAC and clicking on episode 20. Now, to give you a quick itinerary for today's show, we're going to be breaking it down into five segments. The first is beginnings. We'll kind of learn a little bit about Javon's history. We'll talk about her business structure and some unique aspects of it. Then we'll move into talking about radio and how she's used radio. And we'll finish it up with our second to last segment that goes into the customized FITs that she plans. And then we'll move into our last segment, our usual last segment, which is the warm fuzzies. So there's so much to unpack today. Um, I can't wait to start picking Javon's brain. So let me bring her in. Javon, welcome to Travel Agent Chatter. Hello, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, it is so darn fabulous to have you on today. I'm super excited. Well, I'll, I'll actually, I'll tell you what, because I'm really excited to have you on, but I'm nervous, which I'm not normally nervous. And if you haven't noticed this yet, people will notice this because Javon has the most gorgeous radio voice ever. It's so silky smooth and composed and it's kind of dreamy. And so I feel a little self-conscious. I've been drinking water all morning and I've got two things of water. <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm going to be like talking right aside, alongside Javon and I have to make sure my voice sounds good. <laughs> and I'm very you hydrated. Fabulous. You sound <laughs> fabulous. And, and it happens. I did a presentation to children ages one through five. And I was so nervous because I'm used to 
presenting in front of adults and these children made me so nervous when that happens. <laughs> I know. I was just like, how do I make myself sound so much better? I just, so we're going to ask you about that in a little bit, but this is one of those travel agent chatter episodes where we're able to tap into the brain of a longtime travel industry veteran. So she has been in the travel industry for 26 years. And I'm just going to go ahead and give you some applause there because that means, Javon, that you've made it through the airline commission cuts, the recession, and now the pandemic, which is a lot of perseverance and dedication. So kudos to you. Thank you. That is a feat, I tell you. And I have a lot of gray hairs to prove <laughs> it, although I use die number 56. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm starting to get some gray hairs. Like they have all come in like, right where like a widow's peak would be. Yeah. And so it's, it looks like a Corella DeVille streak, but I've decided to start calling it my wisdom streak instead yes, of Corella DeVille. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's kind of talk about your pre-entrepreneur days because prior to starting your agency, you were in the travel industry, but what you weren't, what were you doing in it? I worked for an airline consolidator. And, and actually, even before that, I was into retail merchandising. I wanted to be a buyer and from and in, in the fashion industry, but I was a little derailed with that and decided to just take a travel agency course. And when I did, I thought, okay, this is something that maybe I can do. I really just kind of did it as a sabbatical, to be honest with you. And then I realized, well, this is something I could do. But I first landed a job with an airline consolidator and that's a big name now but back then I won't date myself too much uh, it wasn't that familiar with folks to to be with an airline consolidator and a wholesaler so I learned a lot about planning and behind the scenes because what we did was we resold to the travel agency community mm -hmm. that's so you you were based out of Washington DC then right that's correct. That's okay. Correct. So then you got this idea that you wanted to start your own agency. So where, where did kind of the seeds from that idea come from? Well, after I left the company that I was, the airline consolidator that I was with, I did go on a few job interviews. However, I just kind of felt myself in a fog and I started remembering some of the conversations that I had with friends and family who marveled at my travels. You know, those of us in the travel industry, we love to talk about our travels, right? Mm -hmm. It gives us bragging rights. We don't think it's bragging. We're just excited about what we're doing. But I noticed they were hanging on every word and they would always say, I would really love to do that, but I'm not as adventurous at you, as you are. And I wouldn't want to go and do it on my own. And plus, I don't want to feel like I'm in a fishbowl. So that gave me the idea. And that's all I kept thinking about as I was in other job interviews. And I thought, you know what, why don't I curate my own programs and start my own business? And that's exactly what I did. And I knew immediately that I wanted to focus on group travel, that I wanted to focus on special interest groups, and I wanted to focus on African-American travelers. Mm -hmm. And you also kind of focused on the radio segment because your husband was in that field as well, right? Absolutely. Well, that kind of came a little bit later as I was doing programs for friends and family, but, but putting the them together in my own groups and then inviting them to come along. And then I got the idea after a few conversations with my husband, who was a general sales manager at a radio station, that uh, has the radio station ever considered doing travel programs or mm -hmm. what we would call come along programs. And I knew they were doing incentive programs. So I was also trying to get my foot in the door with that business too. The incentive programs being that they would incentivize their advertisers and incentivize their sales staff to meet certain goals and then be rewarded with travel. And so mm -hmm. I was successful with doing that. And then I thought, okay, let's expand this a little bit more so you can really connect with your audience and offer programs for them to travel along with their favorite radio hosts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's move into kind of the next section, which is kind of talking about your business structure. So it's not unusual per se for a travel agency to have multiple brands. 
in in volume one, I think it was, we talked with Andre Zaharenko, where he had two brands that he was working with. But you have three that you're working with. So there's Advantage International, Traveling Culturati, and then Traveling While Black. So walk me through what each of these are and why did you start them? Well, Advantage International is the business end of everything. It's the travel company. And Traveling Culturati is the radio show. And I came up with the name because my aesthetic with my group bookings through Advantage and my personal travel experience is a cultural and a heritage aesthetic and focus. So that's how I named the radio show. But I always knew that I would have another focus of the radio show in addition to just providing travel information to the general public to also garner more clients, to also garner more experiences and to use the radio platform to grow my clientele. And traveling while black, now that's interesting. So that came about in a very casual conversation more than 20 years ago with my husband and myself. We now partner and he left radio and started working with me about 15 years ago. So it came about in a conversation when we talked about the unique experiences a black traveler faces through conversation, through reactions, and just through the whole booking process that we noticed in making our reservations with the travel industry once they knew that it was a black travel group. So we started saying, oh, this is traveling while black. We've all heard of driving while black and all of these things. And it's not necessarily a negative connotation. It embodies all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's some things we do within our own community that we laugh at and becomes a part of traveling while black as well. So mm-hmm. we had grabbed that URL travelingwhileblack.com, but for so many years, we just pointed it to Advantage International. And a couple of years ago, we decided to use it on its own exclusively for a marketing brand because all three really are cross-promoted. Advantage, as I said, is the business and it's the company that makes all of It has the expertise in arrangements, but traveling culture body are the the traveling while black are those experiences that happen, and we know that to our travelers to those experiences. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to tell you, I love the name traveling culturati. It's like one of my favorite names. It just, it evokes such a strong picture of what's going on. So I love that. Not that I don't like the other names, but that one is like super powerful and really resonates with me. <laughs> it's my favorite. I'll tell you one time, I, I subscribed to the word of the day. And mm-hmm. so years ago, the word came to me, to my, my email box, culturati. And I thought, well, I've never heard of that word before, the culturati. And I kept using the word in a very joking way. And then I thought to use it when I rebranded the radio show as traveling culturati. So that's how I got the name by subscribing oh, to the you, word of the day. I thought you made it up. <laughs> no, it's a it real was... word. It's oh, a that's real awesome. Word. <laughs> that's even better. I'm like, I'm getting my learning on already with my vocabulary. <laughs> well, let's see. So with these multiple brands that you're kind of running, I think you're in a great position to talk about the pros and cons of having more than one brand. And if you could give some type of advice to advisors that either have multiple brands or that are thinking about having multiple brands, you know, having run this multiple brands for, you know, over a decade, what would you, what would your piece of advice for people to be? Well, if you're going to have multiple brands, first of all, you need to have very clear lanes for them so that it's not confusing for you or your consumer. You should be able to explain it and tell whoever it is you're speaking to why you have the multiple brands and what do they focus on or what do what are the purposes of those different brands. And then are you going to use them completely separately or are they kind of bundled together where there's a lot of cross promotion and that's what it is for us. So just be very clear on your focus, be very clear on your vision and be able to 
communicate and explain it to anyone who's asking whether you're going to use them together or independently. Mm -hmm. Those are great tips. And and this isn't so much about business structure, but it kind of is. So one of the things we've talked about before is the realization that, that you had during one of your trips when one of the travelers came up to you and they asked if your trips, all your trips were for seniors. And I thought this was really insightful because of you just looking around and saying, yeah, you know, we, we do like kind of specialize in senior trips and that's our niche. You used it kind of as a reflection point where you took a step back to look at your agency with new eyes. So would you mind kind of sharing that story and how it changed things for you? Absolutely. And I think it's so important, as you said, to change your eyes because you always have to be willing to change. The travel industry is a very fluid industry. So you have to make sure that you're fluid with it. Otherwise, the industry will outgrow you or it will surpass you. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that was a realization for me. I like to say boomer versus senior because senior, I think, has a very negative connotation to it. But yes, boomers were our or are our primary demographic. But what I realized at that moment that my traveler said that to me was that one, we had been in business for 20 years. So if you, your demographic is the boomer demographic, they're 20 years older, right? Mm -hmm. So I hadn't really made that switch in my head. And so I knew at that moment that I needed to do a couple of things that one, I, I needed to include another demographic and I focused on Gen X and two, I needed to look structurally at some of my programs, the amount of movement, the how I communicated the different challenges. And if I'm going to have one particular program that's going to have more adventure in it, then I need to be very clear with that so that the right people sign up for the right program. And so it wasn't that I steered off of that course. I just broadened my client base and started going more toward Gen X, still maintaining my core client group, which are boomers, because there's some very vibrant, active boomers yes. that are very adventurous. So I didn't want to leave them out and they've been with me for 23 years. So why would I turn away from them at any point? But I did have to make some adjustments. Yeah, that's, you know, the last episode we talked with, that's volume 19, we talked with Becky Kirby kind of about accessibility travel and talked about, you know, as the baby boomer generation is aging, this is people, a huge population that is traveling but is gonna need more assistance as they're traveling. So that travel companies and travel agencies need to start thinking about how they can accommodate, you know, making travel more accessible and things that you should be asking. So that's, that kind of ties in really nicely with it too. And something I think all agencies should be thinking about if they have baby boomers in their client base. <clears throat> Absolutely. And some very simple things like number of bathroom breaks and having mm. facilities on a bus. I, I know 20 years ago versus today, I need to make sure I have a facility yeah. here for me. It just happens. It's a part of what we go through. But yeah, just some little changes as well, or maybe not packing the program too much, putting in more downtime. And then asking yourself if you go, are going to address accessibility uh, programs, because when you travel outside of the United States, when you travel around the world, that means very different things in, in different places and what's going to be available to you. ADA yeah. is not present in all countries. So you have to be aware of that. Yes, definitely. So one of the other thing that's unique about your business structure, I'm going to get to the question in just a second. So bear with me. But mm -hmm. So we do our big travel agent survey every year where we publish tons of information about advisor demographics, how much they earn, kind of fees they're charging, what they're charging them for and how much. It's just the reports we push out are just chock full of info and I'll link to those in our show notes for everyone. But how this relates to you, Javon, is instead of 
this being 100% self-promotion about this survey is <laughs> one of the things that comes out of our survey is when we, we publish kind of the demographics that, that go there, you know, we ask a lot of things about people's agency structure. And so in 2020, our report found that 61% of agencies are hosted. And I think it's like 20% are independent. And so I'll, I'll put a link to that particular report in the show notes if people are interested. But anyhow, going with that is you've gone, you know, you're not in that 61%. You're in that 20% that went independent. So the minority and besides being independent, you're also very unique in that you don't belong to a, a consortia. So since this isn't all that common of a scenario, I was wondering if you could share why this route works so well for you. I, I think probably it stemmed from my beginnings in the travel industry that I have never worked for a full service travel agency. I have only worked for a consolidator or a wholesaler. Mm -hmm. So when I started my business, I kind of stayed in that same lane as far as the, the back end of the business. So I knew contract negotiation with the airlines. I knew contract negotiation with the hotels. I had some relationships and I had done events independently before as well. So it was kind of a, a no brainer. It wasn't even something that I thought about. Of course, when I started my business, travel agencies issuing airline tickets were still getting commission, and that was very different then. But I still went the route of just issuing tickets and not worrying about a, commi a commission. I had a ticketing fee. So I would charge uh, a ticketing fee as opposed to a commission at the time. And so it didn't matter where I got my airfare prices from. Everything else was negotiated when it came to my groups. And that's what my primary focus was on. So I just mm -hmm. automatically and organically contacted the airlines, contacted the hotels. And through events, they airlines have always done ticketing for event and meeting planners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we work with a lot of new advisors, as well as experienced ones. But just by default with how much traffic we get, there's a lot of new people or people that are looking into it. And it's, I, I think it's important for people to note, like you had those, the decade plus of experience in the industry. And it's really hard to go this route without the industry connections and knowledge that you had built up. Because one of the challenges I think is finding and vetting suppliers and understanding how to negotiate things. So how do you go about doing that? Like, what are, what are your tips for doing that? And how do you build these relationships? A lot of it has to do with industry functions, whether they mm -hmm. are local or whether you're a hosted buyer or whether you spend your own money to travel to them. They're very, very useful and a, a, a big return on investment. So for example, if you went to a, a, a tra travel trade show, in Germany, for example, called IMEX, or if you went to the, the North American one that's in Las Vegas, you have a world full of suppliers in one place that you can get their information from. You can book one-on-one -on -one meetings with them while you're there. You can exchange your business cards. You can go to networking events. So it is really about relationships and anytime you can put yourself in front of people versus just a phone call sometimes we have to just you put yourself directly in front of someone always going to have a, a better impression it's going to have a, a lasting relationship mm -hmm. and and you're i mean you're a travel agency but you specialize more in kind of the mice the meetings and events and conferences conventions side of things. So the events that you're talking about, like IMAX, those are more for people that are doing large groups. Is that what you'd say? Well, yes and no. So they are set up for MICE, meetings, incentives, conventions, but and, and events, but they're not exclusive. And, and so mm -hmm. you can go to the one in Vegas 
they, it, they used to have it here in Chicago, but they moved it to Vegas. You can go to the one in, in Vegas and just walk the floor and meet people and visit the booths and get destination information from tourism boards, from seas, from ground operators, tour operators, hotels, airlines, they're all there. So it's still for the travel industry there are parts of it that are exclusively for mice, but the entire event is not just for mice agencies and mm -hmm. a travel agency can go. And travel agency, and I don't consider, I am a group specialist and specializing in special interest groups and incentive travel for corporations. Mm-hmm. And and you've made a lot of connections with DMCs and tourism boards that you use to kind of put special tweaks within your itineraries to really make them unique to your company. Uh, yes. Well, doing the incentive programs for corporations, of course, they have huge budgets a lot of times, but in putting these programs together... We have those immersive experiences that I love to do anyway, but they also have meetings, they have relationship building, team building activities and exercises. And so I've taken some of that and have implemented it into my regular or special interest group programs, not in the big corporate way, but in a way that is affordable but it gives me that unique element to the itinerary that it's not just your cookie cutter itinerary. Exactly. And, and what are your favorite, you, you mentioned IMAX and what are some of your other favorite events to go to, to kind of network and get to know these people? There's EI BTM, If I can remember all of the acronyms, to be honest with you, there's I one is trickier. Yeah. There's ITB. Yeah, there's ITB, um, EIBTM, uh, there's an AIBTM, and so the E and the A is European and American. Okay. Uh, and then there's, there's smaller ones, regional, and there's just too many to list or remember, but there are a lot of smaller regional ones as well, mm -hmm. depending on what the destination is. Yeah. We'll make sure to link to those in the show notes if people just want to see a list of the things that Javon just mentioned. And, and also to mention that we do have our events calendar at hostagencyreviews.com slash events. So there's right now, I think there's about 35 plus events on there that you can take a peek at. So if you have events that you would like to list, the listings are all free. So please feel free to add those. Or if you want to see what events are out there, make sure to swing on by. Let's and see. don't forget that. Don't forget there's oh, ASTA, yep. and ASTA, ASTA will great. have their local events and their regional events, and then they have their international events as well. So you should be a member of ASTA. <laughs> if you have a travel they, company, you should be a member yes. of ASTA. I love that plug. And we, the HAR team, the whole HAR team is actually going to be in Chicago in a few weeks for ASTA's global convention. So hopefully we will see some of you there. Yeah. Let's see. So let's move into our next segment where I want to talk with you about radio because it's an area that I don't know anything slash a lot about. And between you and Jean's background and things, you're like bona fide experts in my book. So the first question that I have is for any tips. Like I know you did like a broadcasting incubator in the very beginning, but it could be from anywhere, just your experience. So what are some tips for us non-radio people that can we use on our podcast or just our radio game that can, well, actually, you know what I'm looking for, Javon, here is how do I sound like you? <laughs> <It's> some tips. <laughs> well, one thing is record yourself. I'm going to beat around the bush. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. But record yourself and then critique yourself. And one thing that, that I did, of course, going to the incubator, they had us doing commercials, they had us doing voiceovers. And if you can change, I like changing my voice sometimes too. So if you kind of like playing around with that, even if you wanted to do something a little cartoonish, something animated, you can do that. But if you're not in, in that position where you're in a class, 
record some television commercials or radio commercials that you hear and try to really pick up on their tonations, their inflections and their cadence. One thing I had to teach myself to do was to slow down. I can be a fast talker, especially if I'm excited, but if somebody's listening to you on radio, their attention span is already kind of short. So you wanna make sure that they're understanding everything that you're saying. The second thing is then to practice it, kind of re-script those same commercials and try to read them yourself, but really listen to those inflections and those. That's the thing that you wanna make sure that you're not monotone. So even if you're reading something, just kind of think of how you would naturally say it and then add some of those inflections. Like I just said, add some of those inflections. It may sound crazy if you're just talking to somebody generally, but on radio or just like what we're doing now, if somebody's listening to you, it's going to make you a little bit more interesting. And then those little, those little things make them perk up a little bit more. And then what I always do is I speak from my chest. One thing I noticed in listening to myself is that sometimes I had a tendency to become nasally. So mm -hmm. I, I started speaking and recording myself, but I started noticing how it felt here when I had heard the voice I really liked. So I can really feel that difference here versus having it, you know, in here. So speaking from your from your chest. I, I also want to let you know that I went to School of the Arts in Washington, D.C. for high school and, and trained vocally. So oh, <laughs> you've got a lot still. going on there then. So I'm not feeling quite as bad. <laughs> uh, and, and, and singing, one of the exercises that we would do is speak our way through a song. So I've always been one to, I had a lot of training with speaking, with singing and, and so forth. Those, those are fantastic tips, and I am going to apologize in advance, everybody, if I'm just putting random intonations in during this and sound ridiculous. <laughs> That'll be fun. I hear the difference already. <laughs> You're my mentor. <laughs> and, and also just bringing this back to, well, we're just going to do another plug for ASTA because I know ASTA has media training. I don't know if they have a radio specific one, but I know they have media ready trainings for advisors that they can take to make sure that they better understand how to look good on camera and how to speak. And I think a lot of the consortia do as well. So make sure to tap into the, those resources. Mm -hmm. Let's see. So let's talk about the side of Advantage International that works with radio stations with the come along trips and kind of the promotions because this seems like a great way to gain exposure for your agency and get a lot of travelers. So what, like, how big are these trips? What are the normal sizes? Well, it really depends on the destination. A lot of times if we're doing something for the Caribbean, we can do hotel buyout. It could be something very like a single market versus a multi-market. And then on something more long haul, it's probably around a hundred people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's, it's not just like what I think is neat is it's, you're not just doing these come along and promotional group trips with the radio stations. You also have had your own radio show for the past 10 years. That's the traveling culturati. And I, you know, I fell in love. I listened to a few of them and I just like fell in love with it because of the detail that you go into it when it comes to the destinations or the food or the history or the culture there. And it's it's not cookie cutter information. It's it's really fun factoids. And that's what I think helps travel agents really sell an itinerary and get people excited are these little tidbits of information that's like insider information they can look when they go there. So tell me about Traveling Culturati and what your goal is when it comes to researching those cool factoids and throwing them out during the show because it's clearly something you're really passionate about. Well, that's where I started. What is my own passion? So if, if you're considering doing a radio show or a podcast, mm -hmm. and, and like you said, it's not cookie cutter because let's face it, the travel industry is a huge industry. And not only is it a huge industry, but there's a lot of information out there. So you don't want to give the same information that everybody else gives. So what are you passionate about? What is your unique 
niche or your unique gift. And so for me, it was my curiosity with culture. And so that why I came up with the name Traveling Culture Rai, even though it dropped in my box from the word of the day. Uh, <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> it was the, the, these were the things that I enjoyed from my personal travel. And it's the same thing I do with my business. It's what I love personally about travel. And I'm sharing that with my clients. So I'm doing the same thing with the radio audience is I'm sharing my passion with them. And you have to start there. Otherwise, you will start to sound monotone and you, you won't be excited about what you're talking about. So when when I rebranded the show Traveling Culturati, uh, I, I wanted to bring that forward. And so when I would take my trips, when I would develop my programs for Advantage, I would also reach out to tourism boards and to destination management companies or guides that I had met along the way and said, I would love to have you on my show to talk about taiko drumming in Japan or to talk about a tea ceremony in Japan, to talk about the naming ceremony in, in Ghana or maybe hieroglyphics in, in Egypt how wine is, is made, you know, maybe talk about how something gets to a table, what is the favorite dish of the, of the country, or what are the three most defining cultural aspects of your culture? So mm -hmm. again, it all went back to the things that I love to find out about when I traveled, and I thought they would be of interest to other people. And, and it has proven that that they are and black history is something that's also very important to me as well and so bringing that to my audience and one of the things that really resonated with me and made me feel wonderful is that a, a, a listener an avid listener a super uh, to fan. my show yeah super fan from california an older white gentleman you know he sends me emails all the time but he said i never would have traveled in search of black history, if I hadn't listened to your show. And it is absolutely fascinating, the things that I've learned, the sites that I've visited, and the foods that I've tasted, and the cultures that I have experienced. And even here in the United States, if it hadn't been for you, encouraging us to, to seek out these things. And because he's a retired ranger, he sends me these nice little spots in national parks that are either placards or trails for black oh. history, which I absolutely love. Cool. That's really neat. Yeah. There are a lot of black history trails in national parks and a lot, we don't often know about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic to have like made that connection just via the airwaves. Yeah. Yeah. So again, speak your passion. What are you passionate about? It, and people will find it interesting because you're passionate about it and that's going to come across mm -hmm. in your delivery. Yeah. And, you know, now that we have the Internet and you can reach everybody, I guarantee there's someone else, at least one other person in the world that is just as excited as you <laughs> about yeah, cockroaches so if, or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> or if you like spas, you know, then you can give people tips on finding the best spas, tips on how to put together a spa vacation or the do's and don'ts of a spa vacation or how to behave in a spa, the different types of spas. So again, whatever your niche, whatever your passion is, that's what you want to talk about. That was a lot better example than cockroaches. <laughs> 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 well, let's kind of, so if, if somebody's, I'm, I'm curious about the route that you go to get a radio show, because I don't know anything about mm -hmm. that. So if an agent wanted to, Kind of experiment with doing a radio show do they just need to reach out and kind of pitch the idea of a radio show or how does that work well certainly you would have to do that but what's so much easier now that wasn't for me many years ago is the podcast mm -hmm. everyone can get a, a, a podcast and that is a radio show it's not your traditional but it is a radio it's a podcast it is a radio show it's you talking about it you can do just audio or you can do audio visual but if you're going to a radio station or network, you really have to utilize your connections and you have to be prepared 
if, if you're going to broker your time, that's something that you want to know about. So that means that you're paying for your airtime. Or if you're going to get sponsors for yourself, or if you are a mm. broadcaster, which means you're licensed and you have the the broadcaster card and media card and so forth, they may hire you. But more than likely, you have to either broker your hour or you have to get sponsors and you want to them for that or with that mm -hmm. already in mind. But the easiest route to go is the podcast. Yeah, I, you know, I have to say, I had started ours having no idea what I was doing. I honestly still don't know what I'm doing. But we did do a an episode and I can't remember which one it is. But where we talked about podcasts and how to start a podcast, we had six or five or six different travel podcasts hosts on there and talking about their experience. And if this is something that speaks to you, definitely go back and listen to those episodes because they're I learned so much from it on different ideas on things I can do within the podcast. It's really helpful. Let's see. I'm, I'm outside right now. And so the in the middle of a heat wave wearing a long sleeve shirt, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but uh, there's all these bugs flying <laughs> around me. <laughs> well, good thing they're not you're not on the East Coast and you're dealing with the cicadas, although they're they're ending their seven week cycle. But still, oh. they were a nuisance all the same. Oh, I'm <laughs> so glad about eating bugs. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so glad. I don't know how I'd handle that. <laughs> well, let's see. So just talking about kind of this interest in cultural things or even like these fine specific details that can really help someone sell a trip or an itinerary or destination, and they want to integrate some cultural learning with their clients. What's an easy step they can take to do that? We talked about it a little bit, but do you have any other tips? The other thing you, you to and on their site, you can also find cultural programs. If you just put that in cultural tour, you can see what the differences are. If for the for the tourism boards, yes, yes. The other thing is very, I highly recommend is go to the bloggers. Who's blogging about? that culture they have a lot of insight because usually they are there themselves and maybe they're even offering these programs or maybe they know so much about it because usually about so if it's a food wine blogger or a spa blogger or a cultural blogger or whatever it is i find a lot of information from bloggers like when i go to a destination I'll see what local bloggers mm -hmm. write about in reviewing restaurants. And, and so rather than these very broad lists, because they're there and they're doing it locally all the time, use the same principle for, for cultural programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just eat that stuff up. Like, I mean, very similar to you, I'm very perpetually curious. And I know that my experiences in destinations are so much deeper and really helps my understanding of things than if I just go to a destination and see a very superficial view of things. If I can, yeah, have a more rounded view of things, I always have a much better trip. So, yeah. And just think about well, what let's culture see. is. Culture is food, it's music, it's the arts. It's even, you know, political things that are happening. For example, one show that I did, was street art because street art mm, is a very cultural fine. expression. And, you know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement that really was highlighted this past year, but there are a lot of street murals about it. I had a muralist on, uh, a professional muralist on who talked about the street art that she does, painting entire sides of buildings or even how some of the street art has made its way into the museum. Of course, it's a it's an outdoor museum because street art is everywhere, but sometimes that street art is expressionist. So just kind of think about what culture is. What is that definition of culture? And there's so many areas of it. 
That's so true. You know, I'm so I'm based in Minneapolis. And after George Floyd's killing, obviously, we had some some problems and a lot of businesses were boarded up. And like, while it was a very difficult time, like in our neighborhood, it was also very beautiful. Like the murals that popped up on all that plywood was just gorgeous. I would go around and take pictures of it. And I, I sent it to my friend in Tokyo and she was like, Americans are so creative. She's like, I had to show all of these to my friends. It's so beautiful. And I was yeah. like, I know. And, and they ended up like coming up with a project where people could, could submit the pictures of all this beautiful, the street murals throughout Minneapolis during the civil unrest. And so that we could document it because, you know, people take down the plywood and then it was like, oh, that's yeah. that was like a really beautiful mural. So that was cool. Like the U of M put something together to kind of document that. Yeah. And, and we have to remember that culture is forever changing. That's actually how I open my cultural segment is that culture is forever changing. And it's the arts, the music, food, but it's also sometimes politics and strife. It changes our culture. It's forever evolving. So there's always an opportunity to culturally connect with a destination. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, let's move into the next segment, which is where we'll kind of talk about your custom. And it's not uncommon for agencies to you know, dabble in custom FITs or to do them, but you're, that's like really your go-to type of travel. And when it comes to your groups, they're all custom FITs and you work directly at the very local level instead of using a tour operator as an intermediary that uses their DMC connections. So I want to talk about a few of the unique aspects that Advantage International does when it comes to their FIT. So the first thing that I thought was really cool is that some of your clients aren't super tech savvy, but despite that, you still don't do any bookings via the phone. A hundred percent of your custom FIT bookings are done by the clients online. So can you walk me through how that's done? Uh, yes, absolutely. And considering, as I said to you at another time, is that with a boomer demographic, <laughs> it was a little bit of a struggle, but we assured them that in that transition process, we would be on the phone with them and help them through that process. But yeah, so we put all of our efforts into the website so that there's a booking, there's a plugin basically so that we can manage our inventory, our pricing, and it can all be online. So that way we're 24 seven without having mm -hmm. to be physically in the office 24 seven. We try to answer all the questions on the website. They get a full itinerary, agenda, schedule, and we streamline so that it can be very a very simple process. You just click book now and then information and then it takes you, you can put in your credit card information and then it transmits to us that we have the reservation. And we've also put uh, designed a traveler information form. So once someone is reserved on one of or registered on one of our programs, they can then go online and fill out the traveler information form that we can download into an Excel. So it makes it all so, so easy to, mm -hmm. to manage everything so that we can eliminate as many human hands as possible. That's where a lot of mistakes come in. The more human hands yeah. it has to touch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're doing groups of 100, having to book 100 people on you know via the phone is incredibly time consuming and so having and I, you know i went through the process and we'll link to your website so people can kind of see it with your itineraries and go through the booking process but it was really simple i was i was kind of surprised i was like oh this is really really nice and it's i think i think when it was going through like the the checkout it said powered by is it like checkfront do you remember the name of it by chance yes checkfront is okay. the on it, Checkfront is the online booking program that we use. Okay. And again, it allows us to have the inventory. There are a ton out there. And with that, there's also a wide price range. So you want to look at different ones and to see what you can afford, what you really need for your agency. 
but understand that it's going to give you the tools so that it'll make things much more efficient, save you time. Because we, I mean, before we did all of this, we were manually processing invoices and payments and mailers. So we don't mail out anything anymore other than the final documents. Everything gets emailed to the client. So we made sure that through that booking process, they would automatically get that email to them so that we wanted to streamline it. The clients got the information a lot faster. Once we, of course, we have to load the information into the system, but it also allows us to do it in a very, in an aggregate way versus an individual manual way. Mm -hmm. and, and the payment processing too is automatic, correct? Yes, it is. So we do have a merchant service and that too is plugged into the booking process. Mm -hmm. And then that gets processed and it, it happens seamlessly and it gets automatically deposited into our account. Oh, so so nice. everything is so nice. real time. Everything is real time. <laughs> that is just so nice. Cause I, I, yeah, I'm just imagining all the work behind like having to do a group of 100. And again, like you said, the errors that could be happening and it's, yeah, to be having that work done for you and you just put the work in up front where you load it into the system and then it's taken care of for you allows you to yeah. have time to do like things that make the group more special. And let's see. So one of the things too, during the checkout is the, I, I think it's called like the, let me look it up. It's like the single, the single option. Like if there's any single rooms available, people we can call it single willing to share. Yeah. Yeah. Single <laughs> willing to share. So tell me more about that. Like how many people take advantage of that? Well, Mostly women take advantage of it. Not so many of, of the gentlemen will take advantage of it. But I would say of our double occupancy rooms, about 10 to 20%. So the single willing to share when gives the group or the individual members an opportunity to share a room with someone else so that they can avoid paying the single supplement. I know it's single supplements like this thing, <laughs> explaining it to everyone. It's like, yeah. But they, they understand you're not sharing the cost of your accommodation. So that's why the, there's a single supplement so that we can price it per person based on double occupancy and then single uh, occupancy. So yeah, the single willing to share when they make a reservation with us, they sign up as a single willing to share. And then that way their reservation is flagged so that anybody else signing up for a single willing to share, we put them in contact with each other. We don't automatically pair people up. We encourage them to communicate with each other. And if they're living in the same city, maybe meet and have coffee to determine, yes, I want to live with this person for 10 days. <laughs> or, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> or definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. And I can tell you that in my 23 years of issues, that's not mm -hmm. bad. No, no. Yeah. Like having one issue is amazing. Cause yeah, that's the thing I would worry about. And I would imagine other advisors would worry about if they implemented a program like this, but it, I think, like you said, it just comes down to having like the conversations and, and people seeing if they click or not. Right. And the, the decision is still ultimately theirs. And because they sign up as a single, they're already committed to going on the trip and they're committed to pay the single rate in the event they don't get a roommate. And sometimes people say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and pay the single rate because I'm, I'm, it's already on my invoice. And after consideration, I just thought I'm on vacation. I want to have the room by myself. But some mm -hmm. people say, I could buy a pair of shoes for, or a shoe, shoes and a handbag for that difference in price. So yeah, or put as a down payment on the next one. Exactly. So it, but we, I, I think the success of it is because we leave it to them. They are always in control of that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the other thing that you do that I don't see that often is you include the air with your groups. So I guess two questions there. So why include the air with the group? Is that from feedback? And then who does the ticketing for you since you're a non-ticketing IATA? 
Yeah, I think initially starting out, why include the air was because it was a natural process for me mm -hmm. that I worked for an airline consolidator. So in my thinking, it, the package should come with air. But also part of that is that the group arrives together and we provide group transfers from the airport to the hotel. So it's a great way to keep the group together. The second question that you asked was what? I forgot. <laughs> nope, no problem. I try not to ask two questions at the same time because I have a really short memory too. The other question was who does the ticketing since you're a non-ticket? Okay, so yes, as I said, with airlines, they have always had divisions that deal with groups, with incentive and corporate travel. So the airlines issue the ticket. Now, some airlines charge the cost of the package, and some some don't. I get a group contract with the airline, and that means you have to make group deposit. But And that's the other part that my clients love about the air being included. In today's environment, if you're booking an airline ticket on your own, you have to purchase that ticket within right away, or the price is just going to keep changing. With group air, you lock in that price and with a group deposit and the availability, of course, there are some terms and conditions you have to watch out for, some benchmarks on when to release space and to not have to forfeit your deposit. So there is some structure to that and some organization on your part. But the client also gets one package that includes the air, the hotel, the tours, the taxes, all of that. And they get to make payments on the entire package. They don't have to commit to that airline ticket independently mm -hmm. uh, and pay for it all up front at once. No, it's, it's just, yeah, like as I've gotten older, I appreciate having more things done for me. <laughs> when I was in my 20s, I would be like, I'll do everything myself. Now I'm like, yeah. Please do it. Because consider, consider if, if you're a traveler and you're joining a group and you're doing your own air, you are not arriving with other people, then you have to navigate getting from the airport to the hotel. If you have a schedule change or anything like that, then you may miss something. So then extra work out of everything and it keeps the group together. Yeah. Well, another fun, fun aspect and kind of unique aspect of your group is, and I think this is ingenious, is that you have special perks for clients that have traveled with you multiple times. So tell us more about how that works and what your thought process is behind this like frequent, frequent traveler program. Mm -hmm. Yes, we call them Advantage Elite. And if they're signing up for one of the programs that we promote on Traveling Culturati, we call them the Culturati. And so mm -hmm. if they've traveled with us three or more times, then there are extra premium items that they receive with their packaging, or we'll do a special event for them on one of the free days or nights that we have within the program. So yes, and, and if we get, because of the group, any room upgrades or things like that, we, we pass those on to our elite or the Culturati members. So if the hotel says, look, we're going to give you five upgrades, then we'll go through our list of travelers. So if we can't give it to all of the elite or Culturati, then we'll go through the list and the, those who have traveled with us the most will get those perks. Sometimes we've paid extra and upgraded them to economy premium or mm -hmm. premium economy. So there are tons of different perks and we do different ones to keep them excited about what are we gonna get this time? Sometimes it's a special dinner, a cocktail reception, a cooking class, a premium item or an upgrade on a flight or hotel room. Mm -hmm. And is, is the idea behind it just as a thank you to them or is this, you know, it also has a strong marketing component to it as well, I imagine. Absolutely, it does. So it, as you see, it's on our website, you know, mm -hmm. be part of the Advantage Elite. Also, when other group members see them with items that they didn't get, then they start to question it or they hear, oh, you all went out to dinner? And it's like, yeah, well, that's what they do for 
those of us who have been traveling with them for a number of years. And, and oftentimes they come up and say, so how many trips do I need to do with you in order to get these perks? So yes, it's to thank the traveler. And I am very appreciative because some travelers have been with me for 20 plus years since the very beginning. And some yeah. of them travel with me on two to three programs a year. Some travel once a year, some travel every other year. And I love to see when they come together and it's like, oh, hi, I saw you on the Brazil trip or we went to the Australia on the Australia trip together. I love seeing them interact that way. So it benefits them and it's also a marketing tool. And I just get enjoyment out of their interactions about it too. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm excited. Like, I'm like, I want to be one of the advantage, like elite. <laughs> and I want like a surprise every time and be like, what are they going to give us this time? Like, ah! <laughs> well, so when you have your trip, you've got the frequent travelers, but then every trip, there's some new people. So I know one of the hardest things when you're putting together these groups can be building camaraderie. What type of things do you do to facilitate that group bonding like before, during, and after the trip? We do have online orientation and mm -hmm. that we either use GoToWebinar or we use Zoom so that everyone gets a chance to meet each other. If I have a single market event and it's for a client, for example, they may host a orientation in person and I, I'll go to that city and it, it's a chance to bring everybody together. We also do group activities. So we always have a welcome dinner. We always have a farewell dinner. So I love to wow them in the beginning and wow them in the end. Yeah. <clears throat> but one of the things we do uh, for the group activity is we tell them in the beginning, we have a special prize for someone at our farewell dinner, anybody who can name everyone in the group. And believe it or not, there's usually some very competitive people. I believe <laughs> that my I'm partner amazed. is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed at how they could do it. But one thing we do on the when we first come together on the bus, we're at the airport, we're all loaded on the bus and we're ready to go. I always ask how many people have traveled with us before and we get a raise of hand and how many people are here for the very first time and you know those people will raise their hands and then i'll say to the frequent travelers i want you to turn to someone who is traveling with us for the first time and let them know everything's going to be all right and they all say it in unison and it, it really is a good icebreaker mm -hmm. That's really smart. I love that. Do you, do you do any like games or anything for people to kind of mingle with icebreakers during your like welcoming dinner? We do. So one, one of the ones that we've done and Google is so fantastic these days. So you can Google group activities or icebreakers and they'll give you a whole list of them. But one that I do and I love is with our traveler information form, I have them provide me with some information. So I have some unique inside information about people. And mm -hmm. so I'll do a questionnaire, find father and daughter who's traveling together. So that's part of the mixer. So they have to go around and talk to other group members and find out who's the father and daughter, or who's the mother and daughter, or who's the mother and son, or there's a couple that's celebrating their 30th anniversary. So, but you have to go out and talk to everybody. So it's a whole list of questions about unique things within the group. And then mm -hmm. they can fill it out with the couple's name and so forth. And then the first person to return that to me completely filled out, I reward them with a prize. Awesome. Well, this has been just a, a it's like a great time to wrap things up because it's been like, let's see, it's been like 60 minutes, just full of <laughs> useful info. So let's move into the last segment. And I'm personally of the opinion that warm fuzzies have never been more needed for travel advisors after the long year and a half that we've all been going through. So I, I know that, you know, being a travel advisor and in the travel industry can be really wearing. There's a lot of big and small challenges that we all face every day with the pandemic. So this, the idea behind this segment is to kind of let people step outside of that and get a bigger picture of what's going on and why we still love what we do because it 
can be very difficult, especially during these trying times. So Javon, what's something that can bring a little bit of light into everyone's day and lift their spirits? What's your story? Well, I just think we all have to breathe. We all have to take everything with a grain of salt. I always say don't sweat the small stuff. And in the scheme of things, I'm grateful that my clients are still there. Mm -hmm. uh, I connected with them through the pandemic when no one was traveling with travel webinar series. So always find a way to connect with your travelers, even if it's an email that says checking in, how are you doing? This is, these are trying times for everyone. And to receive the phone calls and the emails back from everyone was very, very rewarding. I just had one person call me the other day and said, I'm just checking in on you and Jean and Advantage. And I wanted to let you know that I'm okay. I've enjoyed receiving your emails and all of your tips and information to just keep me going and keeping me in the mind that I will be traveling again very soon. And that's very rewarding. That is because sometimes that, you know, it feels like you're pushing out content into a deep, dark hole when you yeah. don't hear back from anybody and you're like, you know, Javon's had 154 pages of blogs. And so <laughs> we all it's know. Like, Hello, is anybody there? Is yeah. anybody there? Echo, echo. <laughs> well, I don't know about all of you, but I am feeling a ton smarter than I did an hour ago. So Javon, thank you for sharing your invaluable expertise on everything that you've kind of gathered and thought of through the years with us today. It was really great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such an honor and a pleasure. Uh, and anytime I get an opportunity to talk about what I do, I'm there. <laughs> so yeah, thanks again for having me. You're such a fun guest and it goes beyond your voice, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and taking the time to listen to this episode today. That is all the chatter we have got for you today. Until next time, everybody. You can read a transcript, view the show notes, or go ahead and watch a video of today's episode by going to hostagencyreviews.com slash TAC and clicking on episode 20. We'd love to hear your ideas on future guests. If you or someone you know would make a good guest, or if you have a topic you'd like covered on a future TAC episode, drop me a line at stephanie at hostagencyreviews.com. I am always looking for unique stories. So in fact, I found Javon when her husband connected with me on LinkedIn. Now is like, what in the world is this cool radio travel agency? So find the guests from the weirdest ways. And if you are one of those, please go ahead and email me so we can connect. 